0: Now, our Bible reading this evening is taken from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 36. And we're going to read the chapter together. Isaiah chapter 36, let's hear the word of God. Please follow along as the words come up on the screen. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem unto king Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the conjunt of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. Then came forth unto him Eliakim, Hilkiah's son, which was over the house, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah Asaph's son the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Say ye now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this were in thou trustest? I say, Sayest thou, but they are but vain words, I have counsel and strength for war. Now in whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, For on if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So was Pharaoh king of Egypt to all that trust in him. But if thou say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is he not he? whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah have taken away and said to Judah and to Jerusalem, Ye shall worship before this altar. Now therefore give pledges, I pray thee, to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then will thou turn away the face of one captain, of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust in Egypt for chariots and for horsemen and am I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it the Lord said unto me go up against this land and destroy it then said Eliakim and Shebna and Joah unto Rabshekah, speak I pray thee Unto thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and speak not unto us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall? that they may eat their own dung and drink their own piss with you. Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered unto the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and eat ye every one of his vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his own cistern, till I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his hand out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of Sepharim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of these lands that has delivered their land out of my hand? that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. But they held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, that was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder to Hezekiah, with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Amen, we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now we're going to listen to a message and song uh, by our brother Graham Murphy, and we trust and pray the Lord will bless that to us this evening. Now my text tonight is taken from Isaiah chapter 36 and verses 4 and 5. And my theme this evening is entitled, A Question of Trust or Treachery. Now, these words were part of a speech put forth by a military general called Rabsheka. Rabsheka stood in the outskirts of Jerusalem as a representative of King Sennacherib of Assyria. These words were addressed to three representatives of the king of Judah, a man by the name of Hezekiah. The year was 701 BC. In that year, King Zennacherib of Assyria called himself the most powerful man in the world, the greatest man in the world at that time. He invaded Judah. His army swept through the land like a plague of locusts, devouring all that was before him. Areas, including Ashkelon and Lachish, were quickly overrun. History records that in a short space of time, he captured 46 defense cities and took captive some 200,000 souls. He boasted that he'd shut up Hezekiah like a caged bird inside the royal capital at Jerusalem. Assyria was the ancient enemy of Judah. And Judah discovered that its walls, its gates, its soldiers, its military strategy, its military might could not save them from this great king called the king of Assyria. So from Lachish, 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem, Rabshakeh was sent forth with a huge army to ring and to bluff Hezekiah into submission and surrender. Notice where he came to. The Bible tells us there in verse 36 that he stood by the conjoint of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field, verse 2. That place is significant. It had a historical meaning, especially to Hezekiah. 30 years earlier Hezekiah had stood in the exact same place and pleaded with the then king of Judah not to trust the Assyrian army or to join forces with them now Rabshakeh familiar with the place is using this as a reminder to Hezekiah of his words at that time notice what he said to these three men you've got a man called Um, Elohim. It means that God will establish. He was the son of a man who had a testimony called Hilkiah. Hilkiah means the Lord is my portion or the portion of Jehovah. There was another man there, uh, Shebna. He was the scribe. And Joah, he was one of the recorders. Hezekiah had sent these three men to face Rabshakeh. Here's what Rabshakeh said. Look at verse um, uh, 4. It it says there, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? That's the first question. Look at verse 5. Here's the second question. Now in whom dost thou trust that thou hast rebelled against me? Rabshakeh, as the chief aide of Zanacherib, had come to issue a final ultimatum to Hezekiah. He had come to summon the total capitulation of Jerusalem and its people. He had come with an army to terrify Jerusalem and its people. He boastfully asked the question, On whom does thou trust? He reminded them, It's no good appealing to Egypt. Egypt is unable to deliver you from our hand. Israel's are or Egypt's already a defeated foe. Listen to verse six. Lo, thy trust is in the staff of this broken reed in Egypt, for off of a man lean it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all that trust in him. He also appeals from the fact that he believes that the Lord has raised him up, that the Lord has called forth the Assyrian army to destroy Judah. Look at verse 10. He he tells these men, Hezekiah and the people, don't trust in the Lord. He will not help you. He accuses Hezekiah of tearing down the Lord's altars. Of course, this man was ignorant of the true worship of God. He, He was ignorant of the testimony and truth of God's word. Thou shall have no other gods before me. This man reminded the three men to tell Hezekiah, that his words will count to nothing when it comes to warfare. That Zennacherib and Lachish is preparing for war. That he's going to come against Jerusalem with a great army. He's asking, where are your weapons, your men, your horses? He even offers to lend them 2,000 horses if Hezekiah could find men suitable to ride upon them. And you'll read that in verses 8 through to 10. So here's the message. Don't trust in Egypt. Don't trust in your own men or military might. Don't even trust in your Lord or your God. He asked the question, on whom dost thou trust? In other words, he was telling them the situation is useless and hopeless. Rabshakeh went on to address all men on the walls of Jerusalem in the Jewish language. He told them, don't trust in Hezekiah. Don't let him deceive you. Don't listen to him. Hezekiah won't deliver you. If you surrender to me, you'll eat your fill until the time come that I take you all away to a land like your own. Don't trust in the Lord your God. Look what we did to the gods of Hamath and Arphad, the gods of um, Sephirim in Samaria. You're going to end up the same. Now look at verse 21. Notice what it says. But they held their peace and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was saying, answer him not. These three men reported to King Hezekiah, Elakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, The king then took the matter before the Lord in prayer. Word was sent to Isaiah the prophet to ask, was there any word from God? Hezekiah was told to tell Isaiah in chapter 37 and verse 3, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth. And then you get the prophet's answer in verses uh, 6 and 7. Listen to Isaiah 37 and 6. And Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say unto your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid if the words that I was heard were with the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword. In his own land Now I've thought of these words this week I've thought of the title A question of trust Or treachery And I've thought about this question Or these questions The question being What confidence is this For in thy trustest Now in whom dost thou trust That thou hast rebelled against me And I thought of four things Let me share them with you tonight Listen carefully Here you've got the questions of a deluded fool. There's many fools in the Bible. Rabshakeh is one such fool, even though he's a military general and probably highly educated. Rabshakeh, I believe, was an arrogant, blaspheming man, a man full of his own self-importance. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet says in chapter 37 and verse 6. He says, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Rabshakeh was a messenger of the king of Assyria. And on his lips he asked these questions. And the questions were, What confidence is this wherein thy trustest? Now in whom dost thou trust that thou hast rebelled against me? You think of these questions. He's facing Hezekiah with this question. And I believe tonight that even more profoundly and probably even more than Rabshakeh realized, these are very profound and solemn questions. You see, Rabshakeh is really wanting Hezekiah to turn away from the Lord to defy him, to to deny him, to desert him. He was really making a blasphemous assertion. He says in verse 15 of chapter 36, neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. You see, Hezekiah, in contrast, knew better than to deny or desert the Lord. Hezekiah remained silent. His men remained silent. They didn't utter a word. Verse 21. Hezekiah went to the house of God to seek the face of God. He fasted. He prayed. He put on sackcloth. He he was engaged in spiritual exercise. Hezekiah wanted a word from God. What do we do in this situation? Hezekiah wanted a word from God about what God was going to do and that his name was being blasphemed. He was really looking for a mighty deliverance. So these words, these questions, really came from the mouth of a deluded fool. And that man was simply a mouthpiece of the devil. We read over there in the book of Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, And it says in verse four, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ as the image of God should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You think of people, individuals today in positions of power and authority, no matter who they are, no matter what title they bear, no matter what station they occupy in life's journey. If in part of that conversation with you, especially young people, and they tell you, they instruct you, do not put your trust in the Lord, I say to you tonight to have no time for them. I say to you tonight, take no regards to that word because that person is but a deluded fool. More so, that person is a blaspheming fool. Undeniably, that individual is a tool of the devil. He's doing the devil's work. He may even be a friend of the devil himself. And yet the amazing thing is this, that this question must be faced up to. It must be the focus of our intention. Rab Sheka probably didn't realize that he was an emissary of the devil, but he was. And how many ungodly professors who stand in university addressing students, and they mock the name of the Lord, and they blaspheme in the name of the Lord, and they say to their young people, do not trust in him. You do not need him. Uh, Rabshakeh was a very powerful man, a a military-minded man, and yet he was a fool. And how many fools are there in the Bible? Do you know the Bible talks about the atheistic fool? Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. Remember the rich fool in Luke 12 and 20, where Jesus said to him, Thou fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. And I asked this question, on whom does thou trust? It came from the lips of a deluded fool who was an emissary of the devil, who was using that word to mock the very God of heaven. He was guilty of blasphemy. He was taking the Lord's name in vain. The second thing I want you to think about in this question, it's not only the question of a deluded fool, but it's the question of a deadly foe. There was a real deadly army on the doorstep of Jerusalem just outside the gate. This army with Rabshakeh was like an advance party. The bigger army was 25 miles back in Lachish. And Rabshakeh was boasting of his master's literal list of military conquests. Nobody could stand up to him. Not Egypt. Not northern Israel. In the Assyrian camp There's mention here of their gods being overcome In other words, behind them already In these 46 cities that have already been taken And the 200,000 souls that have been captive There was a trail of destruction There was a massive loss of life This was an ungodly tyrant An unmerciful ruler The threat was real It was terrible beyond words. And you can just but imagine the fear and doubt and apprehension dismay in the hearts and minds of the people. Rabshakeh, when he said these words, in whom does thou trust, is but a messenger of death. A messenger of misery and mayhem. The words are sneering. The, The words are words of blasphemy. Now think of this scene. Can you picture it tonight? Let me lift it up into the highest spiritual realm of all you see all men women and young people boys and girls tonight are threatened by a more deadly foe each one of us tonight has a trinity of dark forces on the heels of our life and they ask the same question on whom dost thou trust and I ask tonight who can deliver us from the power of sin who can deliver us from the power of inward depravity Who can deliver us from the power of the intention of the devil? Who can deliver us tonight from the invasion of death? Here's a threefold enemy a threefold enemy of all men and women, boys and girls. Three deadly foes, and they're linked. They're combined together, and they make a powerful, deadly enemy. Do you know, young people, sin is out to destroy you tonight? Do you know that the devil is out to destroy you tonight? Do you know that the sentence of death is out to damn your soul? Oh, that you could see that deadly foe closing in. That, that deadly foe with its aim and purpose. Sin, of course, depraves you. You were born depraved. Your will is depraved. That's why you think in uh, uh, the mindset of no God. Your understanding is darkened. You don't see your need of Him. You don't sense your sins. Sense you've got a soul. Sense you need to be saved. Your affections are diseased. Your your heart and minds and the pleasures of the world You do not desire him He is not in all your thoughts Do you know that the devil's aim Is to keep you like this He doesn't want you to hear the word of God He knows the power of the word of God That's why in the parable of the sower the, The rocky ground hearer When the seed was sown in the rocky ground The birds came and snatched it away And remember How the Lord Jesus interpreted that parable for us This is what he says Those by the wayside are they that hear. You think of hearing the word of God tonight. Then cometh the devil like the birds and taketh away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. You see, sin is out to deprave you tonight but the devil is out to destroy you. And death, of course, awaits you. Sin pays wages. The Bible talks there in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 15. It says these words, because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and with hell, are we at agreement? Think of that. A covenant with death and an agreement with hell. Oh, I ask tonight, do you not feel the wrath and the breath of your deadly enemy on your heels. What can you do? They ask the question, on whom dost thou trust? You see, it's a sneering, mocking question because they realize they're a deadly foe, that there's none, as they feel, can deliver out of his hand. And who can deliver you tonight from inward depravity? Who can deliver you from the intention of the devil? Who can deliver you from the invasion of death? See, this is a question of a deadly foe. Thirdly, it's a question of discerning fragility. The question is asked in a mocking, terrorizing sort of way. Hezekiah is being mocked and terrorized as he hears these words. Rabshakeh is so certain of victory. Remember, he offered 2,000 horses. He's saying to Hezekiah, well, look, you can put an army in the field. We can have warfare. If you could find cavalry men to ride them into battle, I'll give you the horses. Oh, sorry, but you don't have the men. You see, he's mocking him. He's really saying to Hezekiah, look, catch yourself on. You're so weak. You don't have any munitions. You don't have manpower. You don't have military might. You don't have any mis- military assistance. You can't call to Syria because they are Samaria, there's already gone. You can't call to Egypt. Pharaoh's a defeated foe. And you know, Hezekiah knows full well. He's 100% cracked. Whenever Rabshakeh says, On whom dost thou trust? Look at chapter 37, verse 3. And they said unto him, This is unto Isaiah, the prophet. Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and of blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth, and there's not strength to bring forth. Here's an illustration. You think of children coming to the birth, but there's no strength to deliver them, there's no strength to bring them forth. Is that not a picture of extreme pain? Is that not a picture of a critical emergency? Lord, we are so weak. Lord, this is a terrible situation. Lord, we're facing grave danger. Lord, we're absolutely powerless in this situation. You see, what was true militarily for Israel is true spiritually for the Israel of God. God. Here's a question tonight. What power have you against the iniquity of sin? Does sin not so easily beset us? Does sin not control us? Does, 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 does sin not enslave us? Are we not all sold under sin? Are we not slaves to sin? Does, does sin not drive us and dominate us? You think of our words, you think of our deeds. You think of our thoughts. You see, young people think, oh, sin doesn't control me. I'm smart, I'm wise, I'm strong. But it's only pride that's talking. It will control you. It does control you. Paul asked the question, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul felt that he was carrying around a corpse with him. You see, you cannot have new life in Christ and live in willful sin. You can't love sin. You can't have a, a longing for sinful ways and sinful things. Jesus Christ doesn't save us in our sin. He saves us from it. Matthew 1 and 21, They shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Over there in the book of Titus, in Titus chapter 2, and in the verse 14, we read the words, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Paul asked the question, shall we continue in sin that great grace may abound? The answer is no. You see, there is such a thing as the deceitfulness of sin. And young people, listen to me. Sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Who is the man that can say no to the power of sin? It's penalty, it's power, it's pleasure. And one day from its presence. What power have you against the iniquity of sin? The answer is none. Let me ask another question. What power have you against the intention of the devil? The devil tonight's a liar. The devil tonight's a deceiver. The devil tonight is a destroyer. Listen to the word of God. In John chapter 8 verse 44. Let's hear the word of God. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Does the Bible not teach us that the way of the transgressor is hard? Is the Bible not teach that the enemy of our souls has set traps for our feet, even honey traps like a hunter? You you, you think of the enticement to sin, the pleasures of sin that the devil dangles in front of young people, the drug scene, the party scene, the uh, drunkenness of the day, gambling, um, having such a passionate love for sport, uh, loving one's own self, the ultimate pleasure and happiness is to do with self. That's your ultimate goal in God, but it's all without the Lord. And we have no power against his coming plans. I tell you tonight, young people, the devil is real. He's not a myth. He's not a fable. He's called Lucifer in the Bible. And what power have you against the intention of the devil? The answer is none. Could I ask you another question? What, what power have you against the invasion of death? You, you think of the cold north wind of death, his cold hand coming upon you. You will have no power against him in the day of your death. Not matter if you're a child, children do die. Not matter if you're but a youth and health and strength, you're thinking it'll affect me, it will. Middle years, 30 and 40 and 50, not affect me. When you're old, people, you're 99 and 100, not affect me. Oh it will For one day Death will come like an enemy To take you away from all that you hold dear And the only reason any of us are alive The only reason you're alive tonight Is because of the mercy of God Because of the good pleasure of God And your health and strength will not hold back death The best of doctors And and, and hospital treatment And medical equipment Will not hold back death Why? Because that day is made That appointment has been set The bounds are cast in stone. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. The Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. He hears individuals, they're giving birth to children. But there's no strength to bring them forth. It's a picture of weakness, an absolute partisan, a picture of grave danger, a critical emergency. The question of frailty and weakness. Notice also tonight the fourth question, a question of a discerning faith. You see, as I thought of this picture of no strength to bring forth to the birth. It's not only a picture of utter weakness and powerlessness, but it's a picture of dependence on another. In other words, the woman folk needed the help of another, needed the help of the midwife, needed outside help rather than oneself, needed another to help. Tie it into that question, now in whom does thou trust? You see, this is a very pointed question. Discernment is needed. I say to you tonight, on whom do you trust? Don't trust in your civil leaders. Don't wrap yourself in the flag, whether it's the Union flag of our United Kingdom, or the stars and stripes of the United States of America. Don't trust in the armed forces and military leaders. Don't trust in your politicians. Young people, don't trust in your professors and your university lectures and your teachers. Don't listen, they tell you, to those Bible thumpers, those ministers of the gospel. But I say to you tonight, don't put your trust in science. Don't don't put your health and your happiness in anything apart from trusting in the Lord and, and the grace of God. You see, here's Rabshake and he says, come, let's make an agreement. Come to me and I let you eat your vine and eat your figs and drink it from your cisterns until I take you away. They're they're making a covenant, making an agreement. But it's a covenant with your sin, with inward depravity. It's a covenant with the intention of the devil. He'll give you the whole world. He'll give you fame and fortune if you can lose your soul and have a damn for all eternity. He'll give you the world if you lose your soul. You think if it's a covenant with the invasion of death. And I'm saying tonight, don't trust in civil leaders. Don't trust even in church leaders. They'll fail you. They'll let you down. The best of men are men at best. Don't put your trust in the minister of the church. Don't idolize them. They're frail, weak men. Certainly don't put me on a pedestal. I say to you tonight, don't depend on the pope or the priest or the pastor or the preacher. Don't trust in the church leaders. You need the Lord. And it's not about being religious. It's being in a right relationship with him. Could I suggest as well, don't trust in Christian parents. Oh, oh, it's great to have saved parents, godly mommy and daddy that love you and pray for you. But but you're not saved on account of them. You're not Christian because they are Christian. You need to come individually and personally and place your trust in the Lord. Can I suggest as well, don't trust in a carefree lifestyle. Don't say tonight, oh, I'll take my chance and I'll enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Don't trust in casual, casual libertarians. Think of many friends and families who tell you, don't trust in the Lord. Live a little. Go ahead and party and enjoy life. You're too young to think about God. You're too young to have a relationship with him. Do it when you're older. Live first. Become one of us and your lifestyle, of course, will be ruined, and and you'll have less opportunity to hear words whereby you can be saved. You see, this is a pointed question. On whom does thou trust? Are you trusting tonight in civil leaders, church leaders, Christian parents, carefree lifestyle, casual libertarians? This is not only a pointed question, but I want to tell you, this is a, a particular question. On whom dost thou trust? You see, at the back of that question is, do not trust in the Lord. But you need to be brought to the place where you say, like the money or the coinage in the United States of America, in God we trust. Can you say tonight, in God I trust? Are you trusting in the Lord as the living and the true God? I think of the lovely words in the book of Hebrews as we come to a conclusion. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, We read these lovely words, speaking of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is what's written in the word of God, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He is able. And as we say here in Northern Ireland, he's able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. What can he do for you tonight? He can forgive your sin. He can blot it out with the power of the precious blood. He's able to free you from the control not only of sin but of Satan. Oh, it's true that you have said I have sinned. But remember, whoso confesses and forsaketh his sin shall find mercy. And you can trust him not only for salvation but you can trust him in every situation. In all of life's struggles, in every obstacle, in every tear, and every trial, He is able to bring about deliverance, even in such a time as that. He's able to say, My grace is sufficient for you. Oh, is your life dark tonight? It's a difficult. Go to the cross. Look into the face of Him who's the light of the world. Listen to Him. What have you done for me, Lord? I've bore your sin. I've taken it in my own body in the tree. I have broke the devil here. I've triumphed over him by my bloodshedding and calvary. Here I've destroyed the power of death and of hell. And I can free you from the shackles of death. And I would urge you tonight to, to trust in me. To whom are you trusting? This is a particular question. But could I say tonight it's a personal question. On whom dost thou trust? Could I bring that home to your heart? Let me close with this illustration. In April 1912, there was this thinking of the Titanic. The story's immortalized in the Titanic center here in Belfast. But when I think of the story of the Titanic, sad as it is, you know it's a story of false confidence. It's a story of people that are trusting in the wrong place. The ship was called the Titanic. It was launched as an unsinkable ship. Not even God could sink her. But do do you know that that story of that ship, unsinkable as she was called, was built and based on a flawed design? Do you know that it had limited safety equipment? Do you know that it had a rash captain who wanted full steam ahead even when there was icebergs about? Do you know that many of those lifeboats returned in their final report? They were half empty. And one of the final men to be heard in those icy waters of the Atlantic was a man called the Reverend John Harper. And, and, and he cried out to the people in the ship and in the icy water, even gave away his life belt, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16, verse 31. And I ask the question, in whom does thou trust? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And over there in the book of Psalms, as I finish tonight, I think of the central message of the Bible in Psalm 118. And we come across it there in verses uh, uh, 7 and 8. It says this, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Trust in the Lord. That's the central message of the Bible. So I put this question to you tonight. Now in whom dost thou trust? Do you recognize it as the question of a deluded fool? Can you see it's the question of a deadly foe tonight? Can you see it as a question of discerning frailty? And a question of discerning faith? I pray that tonight the Lord will open your eyes and apply the word to you. And you'll ask yourself, on whom do you trust? Are you trusting in the Lord? and the Lord alone for salvation? Are you in a right relationship with him? That's the central question. I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm asking you, have you got a relationship with the Lord so that you trust yourself to him for salvation in every other situation in life's journey? The Lord bless you tonight. Thank you for listening.